does that. He will manipulate people to offend you so you hate them and your light goes off. Now, you know Satan is darkness. And so, light is offensive to him. And if you are walking in the light, it will be very difficult for him to attack you, to destroy you because it's like, like ice block and, and fire. Okay? If ice block wants to attack fire, you know what it means. It's dangerous, very risky. So, the prayer of an ice block, if you want to attack fire, is that the fire must die. If the fire dies, then the ice block can do what they want to do. The same way demons operate in darkness. And so, anybody who is walking in the light, it becomes very difficult for them to attack you because your light is very uh, offensive to them. So, they can't even get closer to you. So, the best thing they must do is to find a way of putting your light off. When your light is off, then now they have access, unlimited access into your life. Then they can do whatever they want to do. And so most of us will be having demonic attacks, satanic oppressions here and there. It's because you are working in hatred. It's because you have bitterness in your heart. Once the devil kills your light, he can access you at any time. And so we read from the book of uh, uh, 1 John and uh, we looked at 1 John chapter 2 verse 11 to 9, 11 and 9. And then we also look at 1 John 3 15 and then 1 John 4 20. And all of them were telling us how dangerous it is to walk in hatred. Because once you begin to walk in hatred, the Bible even call you murderer. Murderer. Like, 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 like Ken. You become like a murderer like Ken. When hatred fills your heart, it's the spirit of murder. Amen. Now, today I want to conclude that particular uh, hatred with only one scripture, and then we'll move into today's subject. So I want us to turn our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Now, if you if you you have time, I want you to focus on read Matthew chapter 5 to the end. Now, the sermon on the mountain, and that particular sermon that Jesus gave on the mountain to his disciples, powerful, powerful teachings that will can navigate our life as Christians in this world. So spend time to read Matthew chapter 5 and meditate on all the scriptures. And you'll be blessed. I tell you, you'll be blessed. But first of all, so just let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 22. Matthew chapter 5, verse 22. And uh, let's see what Jesus said here about hatred. He said, but I say unto you, you go to 21 and come to 22. He said, you have heard, 21, you have heard that it was said by them of old time. You have heard that it was said by them of old time. Thou shalt not kill. That's the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. So the old covenant that God gave to the children of Israel, one of the commandments is that you should not kill. And once you kill, you'll be judged. Once you kill, you'll be judged. And then... Jesus said, I want to bring it to the modern realm for you to understand that it is not just killing physically that brings you, that makes you guilty of the judgment. But then he said, but I say unto you, thou, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause. You see now, sometimes there are some people you see them, you don't just like them. How many of you have experienced that before? The way the dress grab put you off. Hello? Naturally, naturally, there are people you see them, you don't like them. You don't just like them. But that is where the danger is. 
What have they done to you? Aha. So you are angry with them without a cause. And that one too is demonic manipulation. That's why the Bible says, walk in the spirit so that you don't fulfill the desire of the flesh. The only way you overcome all of these things is when you're in the spirit. Look, try this and see. When you're in the spirit, eh, when you see your enemy, you love him. You even have compassion for your enemy. I'm telling you, if Jesus was not walking in the spirit, there's no way he would have died for sinners. The only way you can love your enemy as Jesus commanded us is to walk in the spirit. Because sometimes some people just provoke you. You wish that they should get away from here. And you don't even know him. He has not even offended you. He has not even attacked you. He has not insulted you. But once you see him, you are off. And you are angry with somebody without a cause. And the Bible says those people, they shall be in danger of the judgment. So, so look at something here. Now, so it means the Lord equates you who are angry with somebody without a cause to somebody who kills. Because it was a murderer, the murderer who will be in danger of the judgment, isn't it? Under the old covenant. Now Jesus is saying, no, it is not only the physically, those who murder people physically, but those also hate people are also murderers. And so they will face the same judgment. So you see the reason why you must walk in love. But it is difficult to walk in love if you are not in the spirit. Because love is the fruit of the spirit. Anybody walking in the flesh can never love. It's difficult. Love is a spirit. You can love. That's why unbelievers can love. Unbelievers have lust. It resembles love. Eh? Orange, you can have artificial orange. That looks exactly like orange. The problem is try to squeeze water out of it and see. So, lust looks like love. The difference between lust and love is because it, it, is that lust is a selfish desire, whilst love is a selfless desire. So, you see the difference. Now, so here, Jesus is saying that those that hate, they are, those that are angry with his brother without a cause, if somebody hits you and you are angry, it's acceptable. But the person has not hit you. He has not even spoken against you. And then you just like, maybe <laughs> his, his, the colors of his dress doesn't match. Hello? He's wearing green. He's wearing green socks with a... Uh, or red something, something with yellow top. Hello? Red socks with yellow top. And uh, that alone is enough to trigger the carnality in us. And then you hate him. And to him, that is all that he had. That's all that he had. Some of the people, eh, they, if they had money, they would have dressed more than you. It is what is available. So they have to manage it like that. But meanwhile, you hate him without a cause. And Jesus said that when you do that, you will be in jet, you will be what? You will, so he said, you will be in danger of the judgment. And then he said, whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. That means, hey. but whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. And this is what we, this is what we, you know, how many times we 
to call somebody a fool. Aha. Aha. See, my people perish and they are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The end time will be terrible. At the judgment day will be terrible. So, so terrible. And that's the reason why as a Christian, spend your time studying the word. Please, that is your only hope. Yes, there is. The, our hope is because we've received Jesus as a Lord and personal Savior. But ladies and gentlemen, you can't claim you are born again and be doing things against that is in contradiction to God's word. I mean, no. You can't, your life cannot contrast the word. So, bring your life in line, in alignment with the word of God. Amen. Read the word, study the Bible, spend time. That is why Satan will keep you from Satan things. Look, it's Satan and he can think into the future. <laughs> you are struggling about bond and bond you. He's planning your future. He's planning for something against your future. You, you are here. He's not here with you. He's causing you to hate people and, and you, you are speaking in tongues. And he's causing you to hate people and he knows what will come to, what will happen in the future. Because he knows the Bible. If he doesn't know the Bible, he quoted Jesus. He quoted a lot of scriptures to Jesus. How did he got it? He read it. So even Satan reads the Bible. And Christians don't read. Hmm? You can read novels. You can read so many terrible things. When it comes to the Bible, you sleep. Okay, now look at it now. So once you call people fool, you are a fool. The Bible said you are in danger of hellfire. A Christian should never open his mouth and call anybody fool. When you say don't be foolish, it is not exactly like saying you are a fool. So maybe you can say don't be foolish. But even that one is not present. Your words must be coated with must be seasoned with salt. When you must be filled with grace, when you speak, there must be grace. When somebody here, a believer speaking, it's like, oh, obia mommy, cold water. The words from the believer's mouth should, should, should release peace and grace. So when you are calling people fool, uh, uh, don't be foolish, don't be stupid. Look at these things. A believer. So Jesus is saying this. And somebody says, I don't believe, I don't believe. Well, if you say you don't believe the laws in Ghana, get problem and see. Say, well, I don't believe, I don't believe in the laws. The constitution is bogus. Okay. Hey, no judge will arrest you if you keep going about saying the constitution is bogus. I don't believe. No, nobody will arrest you. No policeman will arrest you. But then you fall into it. Fall foul to the law. And then you see whether it is bogus or not. Now you say it's bogus. You can go about, come to internet. All those people at Facebook and they're saying nonsense things. And let them fall foul. And let them drag them to the court. Then they will see their sweetness level. You don't know police people are powerful until you have a case with them. 
you don't know how dangerous a judge is until they drag you to his court. Hmm. The judge can order that you should be killed. And so you can say, I, this thing, oh, it, it doesn't make sense. This thing that Jesus is saying doesn't make sense. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Okay. You don't believe in it. Believe in it. Fall foul to it. At the end of time, whether you believe or you don't believe. So, the word of God must not adjust itself to us. We must adjust to it. I hope you understand that. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, so, this is the scripture. You don't become angry with somebody without a cause. No, don't do that. Because you will be in the same danger of judgment as the murderer. Now, today, tonight, we will be looking at if God permits us, maybe four uh, uh, fruits of the flesh. But the first one we'll be looking at is contention. So, number, the contention is number eight. Number eight of the fruits of the flesh. As we begin to look at them uh, from Galatians chapter uh, 5 verse 19. So, contentions. That is number eight. Now, put, put Galatians 5 19 there for us. Galatians 5 19. He said, now the works of the flesh. So the, we are looking at the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are deeds. So that number one is adultery. Number two is fornication. We have looked at all of these. What is adultery? The difference between adultery and fornication. Then number three, uncleanness. We look at uncleanness. Uncleanness, uh, we, we focus on the fact that uncleanness is not just things that you eat into you. But uncleanness is what comes out from you. What comes out from you? We look at all of that. And then what you see, what you, your eyes, you know, uh, we look at all of that. Then we look at lasciviousness. We look at las la la lasciviousness. Okay, then we said, move it on. Uh, so, wait. So, that is uh, uh, adultery one, fornication two, uh, uncleanness three, lasciviousness four, move it on. Then idolatry five, Witchcraft, six. Hatred, seven. And variance. Variance is contention. Contention. That is number eight. Variance. Amen. Then we'll come to emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Now, when we say variance or contention, now give me another translation so we, it, it can be clear. It can be clear. Maybe uh, uh, New International Version or whatever. New International Version. Okay. So, here it said Discord. Okay, Discord. Uh, give me New King James Version. New King James Version. Yes, so you see the contentions. I just want you to get the word contentions. Okay. Now, when we say contentions, what, what are we talking about? Contention simply means the spirit of quarrying or being what? Quarrisome. It's a quarrisome spirit. A quarrisome spirit. Now, contention is a spirit. Somebody who's always fighting with people. Always at loggerheads with men, with people. You know, you see him every time. The whole area knows that. I mean, we open to Everybody knows. You have an enviable reputation in the area. 
Eh? You are quarrelsome. Little thing, hey, you are there. Everybody knows you are quarrelsome. When they even visit your chair, see you in the choir, they get shocked. Hey. But when you get to the home, they call you a lobojata. Because you are quarrelsome. It's a spirit. Now, quarrelsome is a spirit and it is the work of the flesh. It is not a work of the spirit. Those who quarry a lot are because they are manifesting the flesh. They are in the flesh. Those who quarry a lot. There are a lot of things that we can be learning, we will learn today. Amen. Now, where is contention dangerous to the believer? First of all, let's look at Proverbs 17, verse 14. I'll give me another translation. Maybe the Amplified Version. Proverbs 17, verse 14. It said, starting he who, no, Proverbs chapter 14, 17, verse 14. Proverbs 17, verse 14. Amen. So, that's the wrong scripture. Change it for me. 17, 14. It said, the beginning of strife is as when water first trickles from a crack in the dam. Hmm. Therefore, stop contention before it becomes worse and quarrelsome breaks out. And how many of you, how many of you have witnessed the, uh, the flooding, the opening of the dam, whatever, uh, the wager dams, when they said it's over flood, flooded its bounds and they tried to open it. How many of you have seen the effect of it? Sometimes when a dam breaks, it can flood the whole town. When a dam breaks. So all that is telling you is that you are starting quarrying. You are starting a quarry. And you don't know how dangerous it will end. He said, stop it before it causes a flood. It's like a dam. The breaking of a dam. Most of us don't know how dangerous the tongue is. Now, in the book of um, James, chapter 3, now, we were told that the tongue is very, 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 very dangerous. James chapter 3. Amen. Are you, are you, are you there? James, the book of James chapter 3. Uh, let's look at um, verse 8. James, the book of James chapter 3. He said, but the human tongue can be tamed by no man. It is a restless, undisciplined, ill record, what? Reconcilable evil, full of deadly poison. The tongue. Look at the quality of the tongue. It is what? It is the human tongue. It's what? Restless. That means undisciplined. It is irreconcilable evil full of deadly poison. Move it on. He said, therewith bless with God, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made of after the 
similitude of God. Move it on. So out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursing. Eh? So the same mouth that we used to worship God, now we come to bless God with our mouth and then we use the same mouth to curse people. And then he will ask you a question. He said, these things ought not to be. They move it on. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter water? Have you ever experienced one fountain that have two uh, flavors or taste? Salt water and sweet water. So the same mouth that worship God and say, Lord, I bless you. You are so wonderful. The same mouth is calling somebody, is cursing somebody. They said, this thing ought not be so. If you are a holy vessel, things, some things must not come out from your mouth. I hope you understand that. Now, so the tongue is very dangerous. It's just like a, the fire, according to uh, the same scripture. It said that it's, it's like, like a fire, like, like a, 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 a spark. A little spark can set the whole nation ablaze. Look at Rwanda. It started from one man on the radio who spread hatred and the whole nation was consumed with that hatred and there was a massacre. The tongue. Only from a little tongue, the whole nation was consumed. So, it is like the breaking of a dam. If you want to start a quarry, know the effect before you start. And he said, therefore, stop it before it becomes dangerous. Stop it. Now, every true child of God who is working in the spirit does not just say things. The first thing that a child of God considers before he speaks Will this please God? What I am going to say, will it please God? The child of God is not moved by provocation. It's led by the Spirit. I hope you understand that. So no matter how much people have provoked you, the child of God is always led, being controlled, being under the influence of the Holy Ghost. So before you speak, ask yourself, am I being led? Will this please God? Those who walk in the spirit, this is how they operate. They are led by the spirit. Amen. Amen. So, a contention is like, it's a quarrelsome spirit. And it is like the breaking of the dam. So, it can, it can cause a serious flood. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, I want us to look at verse 24 to 26. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now look at the Bible says. It said, and the servant of the Lord must not strive. The servant of the Lord must not strive. The child of God must not quarry. But be gentle unto all men up to teach patience. All men, including bad and good men, including those who provoke you and those who did not provoke you, be gentle unto them. Now, in meekness, instructing those that opposes themselves. You see now, so those who opposes you, how do I deal with them? I don't deal with them by quarrying with them. I deal with them by what? 
meekness. Through meekness. Now, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. Amen? It means what he's doing, what he's saying, you can do and say more than that. But you have decided to put your whatever under control. That's what we call meekness. Meekness is that me, me, yawa, I have decided to control my passion. I hope you understand that. So, this is what the Bible is saying. So, those who oppose you, the Bible says we must instruct them in, weak, in, in meekness. We don't fight them. We don't insult them. We don't gossip about them. No. Those who oppose us, they oppose us by things they said, by things they do. You don't fight them back the same way they oppose you, but you instruct them in the spirit of meekness. The Bible says, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth. The way you react when somebody fights you, okay, will speak a lot of you and it may end up either drawing the person far from God or bringing him closer to God as a child of God. So, a child of God, let's go back to verse 24. The servant of the Lord and the servant of the Lord. Can we say together? And the servant of the Lord must not strive. How many of you are servants of God? So, you don't quarry. Servant of the Lord doesn't quarry. And that's what Jesus was trying to teach us when somebody forces you to take up your verse. He said, add your coat to it. That's what Jesus is saying. If somebody slapped you, he said, turn the other cheek. Jesus is the prince of peace. And his followers must be people who are agents of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called what? Sons of God. Sons of God are not troublemakers. They don't put kerosene and petrol into the situation. They kill the fire. They, they, they make peace. There's a difference between peace lovers and peacemakers. Peace lovers say, okay, well, I don't have a problem. He has a problem with him. Why? He can, if he likes, fine. Uh, he can make peace, fine. Me, I don't have a problem. But a peacemaker says, yes, I don't have a problem with him, but he has a problem with me. So let me take step, extra step to make peace with him. And that is where the Lord put the blessing. The blessing is not for peace lovers. The blessing is for peacemakers. I hope you understand that. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So the servant of the Lord must not strive, but must be what? Gentle unto all men. Gentle unto all men. Gentle unto all men. You must not strive. Now, in the book of Titus chapter 3 verse 2, what does Titus chapter 3 verse 2 teaches us? Titus 3 verse 2, the Bible says, we must speak evil of no man. Speak evil of no man. To be a, a what? A, a brawless, but gentle. Now, give me the amplified version. And let's see how it breaks it. 
the amplified version to slander or abuse you see now to slander or abuse or speak evil of no man a christian must not do that a child of god you don't slander people you don't abuse people and you don't speak evil of people they say to avoid being contentious you see now so it doesn't mean that people will not bring contention your door to your doorstep but what do you have to do avoid it it takes two people to fight am i right when you see one man fighting on the street, now what, what will you say to him? Hello? Something is happening here. Uh, at, uh, at the upstairs. Maybe some electric wires are touching there. One man. So it takes two to tangle. Isn't it? So if somebody is bringing contention to your way and you avoid it. So the Bible says avoid there's many ways to avoid contention. To be quiet. Not to speak. Amen. That alone is evangelism. Because the people in the area know who you are. And uh, somebody had now come and started said, saying th certain things against you and you are not minding the person. It speaks volumes. The people will say, Hey! What's this? What's and then the magia disa was inside. Because they know you, 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 you beat rough rock. You, you, eh? you are more than a military. You know how to give military slaps and things. But now, now you are quiet. That is the, the fruit of the spirit. That's the fruit of the spirit. So the Bible is talking about avoid contentious, being contentious, and then to be forbearing, yielding gentle and conciliatory and show unqualified courtesy towards everybody. Now these things are not being taught in our churches anymore. Am I right? The fruit of the Spirit is not being taught in our churches anymore. So you see somebody speaking in powerful tongues but corrupt. Terrible. You will know them by their fruit, not by their tongues, not by their gifts. So what you need to enhance is the gift of the Spirit. Uh, sorry, the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. So as a child of God, you are not to slander, abuse, or speak evil of anybody. The Bible said, if somebody brings quarry, avoid being contentious. Avoid. Amen. Amen. Are you here with me? I'm not getting your response. Are you here with me? Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, now... Um, Proverbs 17 verse 14. Proverbs 17 verse 14. And then you give me Proverbs 18 the verse 6. Proverbs 17 verse 14. The Bible said the beginning of strife. Okay, that's what we've read first. We read that. So give me 18. So this is what we read, we read at first. Okay? The first time. Now, a self-confident fool a self-confidence self fool's lips bring contention. So how does contention begin? Somebody who thinks he's self-confident and is a fool. So contention reveals your foolishness. Amen. If you are a fool, look, it's not written on your forehead. It is only your contentions that manifest your foolishness. 
Any quarrelsome person in the Bible says a fool. Why? Uh, who is a fool? A fool is somebody who doesn't know the consequence of an action. Who is somebody who lacks understanding. Doesn't have wisdom. It's a fool. So, a self-confidence fool's lips bring contention and his mouth invites a beating. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, uh, I believe you may have a, uh, uh, a question. I will give you opportunity to ask your question soon. So give me Proverbs 20 verse 3. Proverbs 20 verse 3. Then we'll move to the next work of the flesh. Proverbs 20 verse 3. It is an honor. Everybody say it is an honor. For a man to cease from strife and to keep aloof from it. Now, no, give me the new, uh, new King James Version. <laughs> they say, it is an honor for a man to stop striving. It is an honor for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarry. So, quarry is the job for fools. Hello? <laughs> Hello? Can I say it again? I say what quarry is what? A work for fools. It is fools that word start quarry. So he said what? It is honorable for a man to stop striving. Now give me the King James Version. The King James Version says, King James Version, it is an honor for a man to cease from strife. Another translation says that it is a honor for a man to overlook an offense. It is a honor for a man to overlook. So, ladies and gentlemen, it is not every offense that you react to. That's what he's trying to talk about. It's not every offense you react to. Hey, some of the offenses, you just let go. You overlook them. If you want to be free from the quarrelsome spirit, you must learn the art of overlooking offenses. Amen. Why? Because some of these offenses are deliberate, are deliberate, are demonic manipulations. Are, you sometimes say now, Satan wants to tarnish your image, eh? Because God, God wanted to use you for evangelism, want to use you for something big in an area or something. Satan will try to dent your character. And he will manipulate people to provoke you. So, how do I defend myself or prevent myself from falling into that trap? Overlook the offense. And then when that happens, you become honorable. He said, it is a mark of good character to avert quarries. But fools love to pick fights. Amen. How many of you is a fool here? Okay. How many fools do we have in our midst? We don't have fools? Okay. Your work and your manifestation will show whether you are fool or not. Amen. And somebody attack you with query, your response. I may not be there, but your response will reveal to you who you are. Your true character. So it's a mark of good character. 
to avert quarries. But fools love to pick fights. Fools. So, if you are, you, you, you are, you are picking and you try to fight me and I'm not fighting you, you are a fool. That's what it means. The servant of the Lord must not strive. Amen. Okay, now let's jump out from there. Let's move to the next work of the flesh. The next work of the flesh that will be, that is number nine, is jealousy. I was a jealousy. Say it again. Jealousy. Praise the name of the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. For I fear lest when I come, I shall find I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you as such as you will not, lest there be debates, envies, wrath, strife, backbiting, whispering, swellings, and tumult. Now, the reason why I'm reading this scripture, I want to establish the fact that there are two kinds of jealousy. There are godly jealousy and there are jealousy that is the work of the flesh. And I'll give an example of a godly jealousy. A godly jealousy, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2. Godly jealousy. That's not what we're talking about tonight. We are talking about the work of the flesh. Jealousy as pertain to the work of the flesh. For I am jealous. Who is speaking? Apostle Paul. I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. You see the godly jealousy. So there is a godly jealousy where somebody is jealous for God. You come to an area and everybody is worshipping idols. You say, no, this ought not to be. And you are doing everything possible to change it. That is what we call godly jealousy. And Apostle Paul said, that's the jealousy that I have. Godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So, godly jealousy. But then, the, God, the jealousy that we are talking about here is a jealousy that is outlined in the work of the flesh. And I want us to turn our Bible to Source of Solomon chapter 8, verse 6. Source of Solomon chapter 8, verse 6. Jealousy, if it is not well controlled, can end up in murder. Jealousy, if it is not well controlled, can end up in murder. Now, in Psalms of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6, it says, Set me as a seal upon thy heart, as a seal upon thy arm, for love is strong as death. So, then he started, he said, Jealousy is cruel. Everyone said, Jealousy is cruel. Yes, it's a spirit, but it's a queer spirit. Jealousy can cause you to kill as the grave. Jealousy is cruel. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Jealousy is cruel. Now, how many of you know that 
Cain kill his brother Abel because of jealousy. It was jealousy that provoked him to kill his brother. Genesis. Give me Genesis chapter 4 verse 4 to 8. The book of Genesis chapter 4 verse 4 to 8. Are you there? Okay. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect. Now look at the word. What provoked the jealousy? The Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. They all brought their offerings to God and God had respect on Abel's offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he did not respect this is what provoked jealousy. And Cain was very rough. So when people are jealous, the next thing that follows is what? Serious anger. And his countenance fell. So now, how many of you want to know the signs of jealousy? Wrath and the falling of your countenance. Wrath is higher than anger. Wrath is, you see, in a account we say a is anger and a shoe is wrath. You add shoe to it. That tells you it is dangerous. It can kill. So that's what jealousy does. It, it provokes, jealousy provokes um, wrath and it causes one's continence also to fall. It causes one continence to fall. And then move it on. And the Bible said, move it on verse 7. Uh, uh, no, no, no. Go back to verse 6 quickly. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wrath? And why is thy continence falling? Now, this kind of jealousy what offense did Abel committed? Did he commit any offense? That's how jealousy is. He was preferred above Cain, and that provoked jealousy. And his his countenance fall, fell, and he became very angry. And then God saw the danger, because when you are becoming jealous, then you are treading on the dangerous path. Jealousy puts you on the dangerous path. And so the Lord saw that, look, this thing will not end well for Cain. And so look what the Lord said. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wrath? And why is thy countenance falling? Why is your countenance falling? Why are you ashamed? And then look at it. If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? So God is not saying that I hated you. God is saying, I don't hate you. The reason why I didn't accept your offering is not because I hated you. It's because you didn't do it well. So you still have a chance to correct it. When you correct it, I'll be look, God has no favorites. Those that do righteous things, 
are accepted of the Lord. So if God did not accept your offering, it's because you are not doing something right. And God is saying that, look, do well. So that I will accept you. He says, see, he said, and if thou doest not well, if you don't correct yourself, sin lies at the door. So anybody who is jealous has sin lying at his door. Every jealous person, <laughs> you'll be shocked at what you will do. When you start becoming jealous, go and look into a cage and lock yourself in. Because sin is lying at your door. And you'll be shocked. Cain did not plan to kill his brother. He did not plan to kill. It wasn't something he thought of. He thought of. It was provoked by jealousy. Intense jealousy. And so if you are jealous about something, be careful. Go to God and ask him to heal your heart. Tell him to forgive you. And cast that devil out. Before you do something silly. How many of you know that because of jealousy, some people can pour acid on people's faces? Have you seen some before? Hmm? Some even have killed their, their physical spouse. Aha. Uh -huh. Recently, just recently, a, a woman used a what? Eh? A big stick eh? to hit his husband's head. I was even reading about it today. I said three days ago. Because the husband had just gone to marry another wife. Another wife. Eh? And then she said, no, she can't take that anymore. And uh, the husband was about to enter the room. She went and hid behind the door with a very big club. And she hit him by the neck and that was the end of the man. Jealousy. Now, by this time, she has regretted. That's how jealousy is. After you've committed the act, he ran away. He's gone. You won't cut, you know, he won't go to jail with you. <laughs> Once he pushes you to commit the act and the consequences begin to show forth his escape. So once you begin to feel jealous, confess it. Look for a matured person. Go to him say, there's jealousy in my heart. Sometimes it looks shameful, but that is the antidote. We read that we should not, we should not uh, uh, fellowship with the work of darkness, but we should do what? Expose them. Am I right? Exposing them means what? Confessing them. Go to your pastor. Say, pastor, I know what I'm going to say it doesn't make sense. But this is what is happening to me. You start with that to cool him down before you bring out. Amen? What I'm going to say it doesn't make sense. I don't know why, but I'm jealous. I'm jealous. What, am, what, what are you jealous of, pastor? You see, recently you said something about uh, so, 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 he didn't say something about me. That's okay. Look, Sin is dangerous, so you confront sin headlong. You don't pamper sin, you expose him. Amen. After you have said that, you yourself cry one say, Oh, my my Then you know that oh, you'll be healed immediately. Confess your sins one to the other so that you'll be what? You'll be healed. Jealousy will destroy you. So he killed his brother, and the Bible says, Sin lies at your door. And when and and unto thee shall he shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So God is saying that look.
Because you are nurturing jealousy, sin is lying at your door. But he wants to overcome you. But I encourage you to rule over it. Ken didn't listen. He nurtured his jealousy. The next time, before he could say Jack, he killed his brother. One stroke finished him. His brother. Can you imagine? Cain became the first murderer in the whole world. What a big position. Enviable title. The first man to murder. Can you imagine that? In the history of mankind. He killed. He didn't listen to God. When you feel jealous, confront it. Find a way to get rid of it. Because sin lies at your door. At the door of every jealous person. Whether somebody is, you are jealous of something that is happening between you and your spouse, or you think that your pastor, you know, some people, some of the things that causes jealousy, it's, it's laughable. It doesn't make sense. When, you see, when you begin to deal with your own jealousy, you discover that, ah, I've become a fool. Because you discover that, ah, this thing rather than I'm jealous of. Sometimes jealousy is in the heart. It sneaks into your heart without knowing. You don't invite it to. But it's, it's a subtle demon. Amen. I hope you understand that. But you see, it takes somebody to walk in the spirit. Now, anybody who is walking in love, doesn't jealous. Walking in love, that's jealous. Because do you know why? Love is selfless desire. So love is still claiming things for himself. Love says you first. Not me first. You first. So whatever you have, I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you have it because that is my desire for you. I want you to have it. I want you to be happy. So if I want you to be happy, where would the jealousy come from? So if you're not working in love, that is when you become jealous. Hello? And love is the work of the, of the spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit. That is the reason why the only antidote to the work of the flesh is to walk in the spirit. You will not fulfill the desire of the flesh when you walk in the spirit. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, it looks as if our time is fast spent. Unfortunately, we only look at two of the works of the flesh today. And I believe that you have learned something. Let's put our hands together for the Lord Jesus. Okay. I will want to give... Uh, uh, questions. So maybe you want to write down the meaning of jealousy. Number one, jealousy is the passion of a peculiar or a particular uneasiness which arises from the fear that a rival may rob us of the affection. Let me say it again. Jealousy is that passion of peculiar uneasiness that comes to us or rises from the fear that a rival may rob us of the affection of one whom we love or the suspicious 
that he has already done it. Or you can say jealousy is the uneasiness that arises from the fear that another does or will enjoy some advantage which we desire for ourselves. So, in all of this definition, you have the word fear. Amen. You want me to go by the second one or the first one? First one. Okay, I say jealousy is the passion or that passion of peculiar uneasiness which arises from the fear that a rival may rob us of the affections of one whom we love. All the suspicious that he has already done it. Or we say it is the uneasiness which arises from the fear that another does or will enjoy some advantage which we desire for ourselves. So, the main ingredient here is fear. The fear that somebody is going to take your place. Something you desire for yourself is now in the hands of somebody else. Or somebody is going to enjoy it. Or somebody is seen as being better than you are. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Now, God willing, tomorrow, uh, next week when we come, we'll continue from here. I want to give you opportunity to ask, as usual, two questions. As you know, we'll be having more than two questions. Today, because our time is fast spent, uh, we may take, if it is, if we have more than two, we can take extra one, then that's all. So, let me see by hand if you have a question. You raise your hands. Okay. Uh, brother, there, yes, two floors. Jesus. Thank you, Daddy. Daddy, you said if you walk in love, uh, then there shouldn't be jealousy in you. But we all know that God is a jealous God, and He's jealous because He loves us. So, what about that one? Oh. Did you understand the question? Yes. You have answered yourself. You ask me a question and you answer yourself. <laughs> that is what I see. You ask the question and then you answer yourself. So there's no question to answer. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Already I've made, it, I've made you know that there are two kinds of jealousy. The godly jealousy and the work of the flesh. Amen. So God's jealousy cannot be evil. Amen. Amen. Today we didn't talk much about the godly jealousy because it is in order. Amen. Okay. The second person, is there any? The second, yeah. So let's come to our sister. Daddy, please, we're talking um, about we telling someone that. Hello. Take your time. Yes. We have done what? Um, 
you telling someone that he or she is a fool. Okay. But in Proverbs, it says that you should say kwasia or kwasia. Okay, quote the scripture, let me see. It is in Proverbs, but I've forgotten the... It's in Proverbs, but I know the... Okay, truth. I'll give an assignment, <laughs> so go and look for it. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Amen. 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 Okay. Uh, I will make available one more uh, one more opportunity for question. Is there anybody? One more opportunity. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Okay. Now, I remember I promised you last week, last week that I'll be talking about the food that is offered to idols. Is that the question you asked me? That if a food is offered to idols, should we eat it? And we are saved. Okay. So, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the one to speak to you. I want the word of God to speak to you. So, let's turn our Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 4. You can even read from verse 4 to verse 19. Uh, sorry, verse 4 to 7. But then, let's look at verse 4. It said, As concerning therefore the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols. Is that, is that good? So, this, you are not the only person asking this question. It has been asked before. And Apostle Paul addressed it. He said, as concerning Therefore, the, the, the eating, therefore, the eating of those things, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. So, from the point of knowledge and understanding, okay, now look at it. For though there be that are called gods, though there are certain things they call gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there be gods many and laws many. And continue. But to us, there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Yes, continue for me. How be it, however, that there is not in every man that knowledge. You see now? There is not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour it is as a thing offered unto an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. So the problem is about your conscience. Now, what is the state of your conscience before you eat? That determines whether what you are doing is sin or not. Were you aware that it was offered to idol and did you say to yourself, oh, this is unclean, but let me eat it. It weakens your conscience and then makes you defiled. 
Because whatever is not of faith is sin. I understand that. Now, but continue. But, but meat, what? Commend, what? Commended us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we do not eat are we the worse. So what he's saying here is that if you have strong faith, eh, you are hungry, you came from, and then they serve you, and you don't know where it's coming from, you're hungry, you eat it. And you believe that, look, everything belongs to God. The devil never created anything. But when you start condemning yourself with fear in your mind that this is an idol food and you eat it, then you defy your conscience. And that is where the sin is. So that is how it started by saying to you that the devil didn't create anything. I hope you understand that. Praise the name of the Lord. But I've heard, I've seen people who, uh, who in order, because their conscience is not that strong, powerful, their faith is not strong. So what they do is, okay, it is quickly. Okay? Uh, another year again, we are going to eat quickly. Okay, they wait, and uh, the people finish their, their whatever, and then they do their own, and then they eat they don't celebrate with the pagans. I don't understand that. So, it is a matter of your conscience. But then, when Apostle Paul, when you're looking at this, eh, uh, there were places in the scripture, which I will show you, that Apostle Paul commanded them that the food that is offered to idol, they shouldn't eat. And the reason is because of the state that they were in, in their mind. He was talking to people whom he knows that uh, their conscience will defy them when they eat. So in order to save them from that, he tell them, don't eat it. Because the way, is the way I talk to my pastors may be different from the way I talk to you. I hope you understand that. Okay. Now you can ask your questions, uh, Auntie Christy. Mm -hmm. It's in Revelation. I'm not really clear with it. Okay. That um, the Lord was speaking to the angel of one of the churches oh, um, that uh, Jezebel has lured uh, his servant into fornication and adultery and he has also made them eat food sacrificed to idols. How about that? Yes. So, so that is what we are saying. When you know that is so it's a question of conscience. Now let me read verse 7. Go to verse 7. Go to verse 7. He said, Nevertheless, not all believers possesses this knowledge. But some, through being all their life until now, accustomed to thinking of idols as real and living, still consider the food offered to an idol as that sacrifice to an actual idol. You see now? And because of that, and their weak conscience becomes defied. So, what are you thinking before you eat the food? Is that okay? Now, there are some food that you eat, you go and buy the watches and the things that you buy. Do you know the incantations that have been made on this before they even brought to the market? But because your conscience... Because you were not there. 
So there's nothing to prick your conscience. You just sanctify it and eat it. That is different from you when you were there and then you saw everything that went on and then you say, I'm going to eat it. It defies your conscience. And then because of that, it opens you up. Okay, now let's look at another one from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 19. 1 Corinthians 10, 19. He said, what do I imply then? Okay, even go from verse 17. Go, go to verse 17 to 19. For we, no matter how numerous we are, are one body because we are partakers of the one bread, the one whom the communal bread represents. Move it on. Please move it on for me. Consider those physical people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifice, the sacrifices partners of the altar, united in their worship of the same God. Now, you are giving, you are giving me problems, so give me King James Version. So it to be simplified. Okay. When I need to, it to be amplified, I will tell you. Okay. So give me, go. For we be many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of the one bread. Move it on. Behold, Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifice partakers of the altar. Now, this is the scripture. What say I then? What am I talking about? All this plenty talk. That the idol is anything. Am I trying to say idol is very powerful? He said, or that which is offered in, sac in sacrifice to idol is anything. You see now? Then he said, what? Move it on. He said, what say I then? That the idol is anything or that which is offered. Is, okay. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice. You see now? The things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. You see now? And not to God. And I will note that you should have fellowship with devils. So, two things are spoken here. You were not there when they did all the, that. And then you came, you were hungry, you were saved. You prayed, sanctified, you ate it. Your conscience is not defied. Now, you were there when it was sacrificed to idols. And then, they did all that and they said, you brought your own to you. And Paul is saying, don't partake with the devils. Because they are, they are, he said, look at it. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. He said, now he, he has moved from idols. He said, idols are nothing. But the real thing here is the devils. I understand that. Then he said, and not to God. Then he said, and I will not give me the amplified version here. Or even the breaking down the message or whatever. Give me the message. Message translation. Now, I want everybody to be alert and watch this because it will be very important. He said, always than nothing, I a manos, a demon, I don't want you to become part of something that reduces you to less than yourself. Ah, is it a scripture? 19. Give me 19. 
Yes. Do you see the difference? Sacrifices offered to idols are offered to nothing. For what's the idol but a nothing? Okay, give me the amplified version because this one is watering it down too much. Give me the amplified version. Say, what do I imply then? That food offered to idol is intrinsically changed by the fat and amount to anything or that an idol itself is a living thing. Move it on. No. I am suggesting that what the pagans sacrifice, they offer in effect to demons. So here Paul was talking about idol is nothing. Idols, don't be scared with idols, molding images. He said they are nothing. But then the problem is the devil, the spirits that they make sacrifices to. And he said once those things have been sacrificed to the spirit, to demons, to evil spiritual powers, and not to God, at all. I don't, I do not want you to fellowship and be partner with diabolical spirits by eating at their feast. Is it clear now? So, two things here, they are feasts. God becomes very angry when you partake with, at the same table, drink at the same cup with demons and come to the communion table. God becomes so angry because you provoke him to jealousy. And nobody can stand the jealousy of God. So because of that, you find a way to avoid when you know by conscience that this particular meal is sacrificed to demons. I'll have nothing to do with it. But if you don't know, you went to town, you came, he served you food, pray over it, you eat it, the earth is the loss and the fullness thereof. But if you are Nitria, and then everybody is eating and they give you at their feast, don't. Is it clear? Put your hands together for the Lord Jesus. It's good I, I've taken my time to explain this because, so don't forget that the, the weakening of your conscience is a factor. Is that okay? But if you came and you're hungry, you don't know where it, nobody told you anything and you, you, you because hey, you, didn't, you didn't ask God to bring you to the chief palace. It is God himself that worked it out that way. He may have his reason. Eh? <laughs> yes, yeah, the salah is terrible. 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 And terrible. Don't go for it. Don't go for it. Don't go for Salah. Salah meal. Don't. It does so many terrible things to you. You have been eating rice every day. So don't be tempted. Amen. Amen. Are you here with me? Okay. Wave your hands. Let me see if you are here with me. Wave your hands. Praise God. Put your hands together for the Lord Jesus. Uh, those of you who have special appetite for uh, festive foods, uh, I know you know why people have appetite for it because it's cheap, uh, and then they have special flavors that is different from the one you know of. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, hey, man or bonsa person or tempter. Who can't buy food or the better tempt him? Or buy any match here. Who can say he knows you better? He won't do that. Or if somebody wants to poison you, you think he will show the DDT, you put a bottle on top of your rice. You, you cook very palatable meal and put the DDT in the middle. And you will know. Satan is cunning. Hey, somewhere, somehow, they are still look different. I did not know the same people who cook the rice, the wachi and the rice. Is it the same stew? I, yeah. Can I ask you a question? How many of you have eaten wachi? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, say it through the microphone. Daddy, is it good for a Christian who bears a chieftaincy position to self, who is a deacon or a deaconess to self communion in church? Fine. The other day, now listen very careful to me. Listen very, very careful to me. Unless you can prove that that person who is a chief or a, or a queen is dabbling into idol worship. There are people who have the title of chiefs and they are not into idol worship. And we have a lot of examples in the Bible. David, Ezekiel, Solomon. Even Solomon at the point in time backslidden, but he came back again. 
and then we have wicked chiefs who are idol worshippers. So unless you can, you, can, you can point to the fact that you have evidence that the person in question is dabbling into occultism or fetishism. I hope you understand that. But I know where you are coming from because of the things they put around them. Uh, yes, the things around the, around the beads and the things. The, the anklets or whatever it is around them. Okay? So I understand you because not everybody has strong faith like some of us. So somebody will look at somebody physically and they say, this is a juju man. Why would juju man serve me in communion? Because to them, anybody with uh, uh, anklets and uh, beads are, you know, are idol worshippers. But you'll be surprised that majority of these people are not into that. Is that okay? So we don't judge that. Now, the person in question has a personal responsibility to know. So I have been doing my best to talk to my people who have been uh, uh, initiated into the chieftaincy, uh, whatever. I talk to them. I tell them, look, if you have been here, you've heard so much about the word of God. I've been talking to you about God's word. Now, if you go back into the, the consequences on your, on your head, and it's not my head, but you know, yeah, so maybe for the sake of the weak people, we have to do something about this. Okay? But I am not sure because I've, I've, I've seen that when you go to Abokobi, the chief there is a pure Christian, no fetish, anything. He doesn't allow any fetish priest to come around him. Uh, uh, I've been watching their uh, whatever on the TV. Uh, whatever is priest, pastors comes to pray and whatever. So the fact that somebody is a chief, that thing also means that I don't worship her. Is that clear? That's what I'm trying to let Abokobi, pure Presbyterian. And they do every, no, they clear all the fetish people far. They, they have nothing to do with their activity. And then also, I've heard recently, somebody was telling me of a, a chief in Amafum, uh, part of the chief in Amafum here, is an apostle. Uh, you know the person. It's an apostle, and when they are doing their things, he tells them, no, I don't get involved. And he separates himself. Somebody told me about that. He has a church. But you see, it's, they, they call it a, a ruler, an opportunity to lead in your community. But then, the question is, is it a call that God has called you to? It's, it must be a call from God. In the Old Testament, in, in the Bible, all, everybody who became a king was called, was chosen by God. In fact, God even had to send prophets to prophesy about their rulership. So the question is, what took you there? Covetousness? Land money? Or, or what, what took you there? Or you think it's a call? Because if covetousness took you there, then you don't, covetousness has not finished with you. It will deal with you. Covetousness will, 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 feel, will, will, will deal with you. Is it clear over there? So, some of them are diving into occultism, yes. But if you are a child of a chief who is diving into occultism, you must make up your mind. You must say to yourself, nothing. 
will stand between me and my God. And your father, who is diving into it, should know. That's for my daughter. Hey, my daughter, hey. You have to make your presence felt. Your spirituality, your Christianity, your father must testify of it. Because if you claim you are a Christian and they also know, because they will test you. They will test you to see. Okay, they will be testing you and if you have been found, eh, you have been, eh, they find you to be hypocrites. They will, they will force you into it. But if they discover that you are even ready to die for your faith, they will leave you alone. Is that okay? So it is your faith that must speak in their midst. Your light must shine in darkness for everybody to see that this is different. Is that okay? Good. So you've been cleared now. Good. So it's a personal thing. If the people that are serving the communion are the ones, because I've been talking to them. I've been warning them. I've talking to them. As, my, as a pastor, I have a responsibility towards them. To talk to them. And every time I talk to them, they tell me, no, we don't get involved into those things. We've made it clear to them that we will not be involved when they are going to do those things. But I know it's going to be difficult because now there's, you are going to be an enemy and they will set you up. Unless God is the one who sent you there. If God is the one who sent you there, then he will protect you. Amen. So it's a personal decision. Is that okay? God bless you richly. Put your hands together for the Lord Jesus. Oh, what a difficult subject. Is it difficult? It's okay. How many of you understood what we've talked about? Especially about this thing. Is it clear now? So, once they do... And then they say, this is the food. They say, mm-mm, mm-mm. Because you have done... I won't eat it. If I want food, I'll go and buy it. I won't eat it. But, if you are in the house and it's a normal food, whatever they do, you don't know about it. And you, you sanctify. Once you sanctify, it's clear. But if you know what they did and you are sanctifying your conscience will be defied. It will be judging you. And that is where the problem is. Amen. God bless you richly. Be on your feet right now. Lift your two hands up. And I want you to pray and say, Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Lord, open my eyes to see. I want to, I, I want to have understanding of the scriptures. Lord, open my eyes. Open my understanding. Open your mouth and pray. The eyes of my understanding. Enlighten me, Lord. Give me enlightenment. Give me enlightenment. Open your mouth and pray. Begin to pray. Lord, open my understanding. Father, fill me with knowledge. Give me the spirit of understanding. Oh God, cause me to be rooted in the things of the spirit. Open your mouth. Talk to God. Le parantalamase kantalamare rakabashandalabare andolebeko Father, we thank you. Mayanta la balabakapa, Yanta la branta la balapa, Kapa, Yanta la branta la ba, Yanta la brante lebekapa, Makwanta la ba, Yanta la balapa, Kanta la branta la balapa, Kanta la brante, Ikata la branta la balapa, Father, we thank you, O God. La brante lebekapa, Mayanta la branta la ba, Kapa, Yanta, Makwanta la balabalapa, Yanta. 
Yatala Prate Lebecapa, Mayatala Prata, Yata, Lebelebecatalapa, Makuatala Pantalapa, Yatala Pantelebecapa, Makuatala Balapa, Yata Ekata, Liprata Ekantala Balapa, Makuatala Pa, Yata, Liprata Lavalapa, Yatala Pa, Yata, Liprata Lavalapa, Makuatala Pa, Yata, in the name of Jesus. One more time for the word that you have heard tonight. You want to thank God and appreciate thank God you, for you, what you have heard tonight. Just you, lift up your voice. Begin to thank the Father. Begin to thank the Father for the understanding that you have gotten tonight. Lift up your voice. Thank God for the illumination. Thank God for understanding. Lift up your voice. Begin to thank Him for the word that has come from tonight.